Welcome to the One Football Premier League podcast. Bournemouth, better Bournemouth, West Ham and Chelsea avoid shock exits, AFCON, penalty drama, plus plenty more on today's podcast. As joining myself, Matt Froelich, is Dan Burke. Hello. You are the only one who I've dragged away from the newsroom. I'm the only one you need, yeah. <laughs> for what more could you possibly podcast? ask for? Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I was very impressed by how you said Boreham would better Bournemouth. There, you did that. You did two takes of that, but you did it perfectly both times. That's that's really impressive. I would I would have struggled with that. Yeah, I was I was thinking of testing myself even more and adding some more bees in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I couldn't really think of any, anything more, and I thought, you know what, that's not what people need to hear. We need yeah. concise headlines. Uh, but that is actually <laughs> where we will start. We wanted some fairy tale FA Cup action, and we got it. Um, on the South Coast, as National League, Boreham Wood overcame Championship Bournemouth. And the story continues as they set up a fifth round tie with Everton, uh, who we'll also get onto in a little bit. Not a bad result for the Wood Army. Um, we were waxing lyrical about Bournemouth's transfer window the other day, and it did not help them here, though, did it? I mean, waxing lyrical seems a bit uh, of an exaggeration, to be honest with you. But yeah, we, we were saying they looked like they'd done some decent business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few of them played here, didn't they? Woodman played in goal. Nat Phillips started the game. Cantwell came off the bench. But uh, yeah, not very good at all. I mean, we were we were saying last week that Bournemouth have uh, have tailed off a bit after a poor start. And you, the sort of question marks over Scott, Scott Parker as a manager. I think, to be fair, they probably don't really need the FA Cup in their lives too much if they're going for a promotion, do they? They probably, you know, we're never going to win the FA Cup. So to be out of it, they can focus on the task at hand now and come the end of the season, if they get promoted back to the Premier League, no one's really uh, caring about them being knocked out of the Cup anymore. But not a great look for Scott Parker. Yeah, I think there's uh, uh, the, the question marks about him are getting even even bolder now. And uh, it's interesting that um, the scorer the, of the goal in this game, 37-year-old Mark Ricketts, he was apparently an apprentice at Charlton Athletic when Parker was a player there. So he was scrubbing Parker's boots and cleaning toilets and all that kind of stuff. And now he's oh, scoring wow. the winning goal against his team to dump him out of the cup. That is one of the most tenuous links about 20 years later <laughs> no, I've yeah. ever heard. Actually, I'm talking about... Revenge at last. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you, Parker. Um, talking <laughs> about uh, uh, old names and throwbacks, Niall Ranger was on the bench. Oh, Bournemouth. yeah. He, he came on for like the last 30 mm. seconds or something, I think, didn't he? Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. The career of, uh, of ups and downs, we should say, to find mm. himself now ready to uh, to take on Everton in the fifth round. I'm, I'm honestly really, really impressed by Bournemouth Wood. Not because it's a local team to me. Um, sorry, not just because of that. But I think there's something... <laughs> to be said for the way the club is run and almost the atmosphere and the professionalism around it because it wasn't so long ago that most National League sides were part-time if not all of them mm. and I think it's a massive step up into the professional game and I know in England that we call the top four leagues a professional league and then outside of it it's semi-pro or whatever but I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to Lincoln a few years ago as well National League sides are really you know most of them are full-time Getting real good quality, you can see that a lot of clubs are bringing in loan players from players um, from teams in the Championship, even the Premier League, um, and I think that shows a level of trust with with what they're doing in the National League, and as well as this, Arsenal women's are are affiliated with Boreham Wood. Oh, they play there, don't they? Yeah, they yeah. do, and I think the success of the women's team, and especially you know, I, I've been to the ground, and the, the pitch is phenomenal at Boreham Wood. Yeah, and the changing rooms and the stadium because. It's fit for, it has to be fit for Champions League regulations for the Arsenal women's team. Right. So it's absolutely stunning. And I think this is a really good, uh, a really good advert, I'd say. And 
I wouldn't put it past them to maybe not win at Goodison Park, but certainly tear up a few trees, cause a bit of a shock at, at some point. They'll give a good account of themselves, won't they? Can you explain this to me, right? Why is the the place Boreham Wood yeah. spelt with no space between the words Boreham and Wood, but the football team are called Boreham Space Wood? <laughs> What's that about? This is exactly the question I was asking myself, and I feel embarrassed because <laughs> I, I, my 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 family is very close to their back home, and in fact, my my stepdad was at the game, um, at the at the game last night at Bournemouth. I thought to myself, I wonder if he's there or not. Saw a video going around on Twitter and he's front and centre giving it big enough to they oh, really? scored. Brilliant. I was like, oh, so that uh, answers that question. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to ask because, yeah, you are right. Boreham Wood is, is spelled with a space in the team. I've no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? One of, one of life's many mysteries. And football's many Indeed. mysteries, clearly. Um, but yes. Yeah, it's better we don't, we don't ever find out. Yeah. If we don't find out. Don't question it. Yeah, they'll get knocked out. So we should have yeah. found out. <laughs> there are some things you don't need to have an answer to in life. Um, exactly. But Bournemouth are through to the next round. I think we'll run through the uh, run through the fifth round draw later on. We'll have a few predictions as well. Um, next up, though, we go back a couple of days to Friday night to Middlesbrough away at Old Trafford. And please, someone put a sensible uh, a sensible line under what the handball rule is, <laughs> because I don't understand how it counts because he assisted the goal. But if he'd scored, it wouldn't have counted. I have no idea how that goal was allowed to stand, to be honest with you. I thought it was a blatant handball. I thought it was, you know, he controlled the ball with his arm, didn't he? Um, there was no doubt about that in my mind whatsoever. I don't understand. Do you know what the official explanation is for why that was going? Well, that is the rule. The, the official right? rule is if it hits the hand, if the, if it's that's the goal scorer, then it's disallowed. But this yeah. is what I don't get. And, and and if he assists it, then then it's fine. If the goal is disallowed if you touch it, control it with your hand and then score, you're acknowledging the fact that the handball has played a massive part in that goal, i.e. you've taken it out of control with your hand and then scored. So by not giving it, if you're the assister, it's basically saying, yeah, that had no impact on the game. Even when it clearly <laughs> did. Like You can't yeah, take these... Yeah. Providing an assist and scoring a goal aren't two completely separate incidences in a football match. They're very heavily linked from from the fact that one is an assist. So I don't I don't know, I'm a bit confused about how this was allowed to stand. I mean, his arm was so high up. If if his arm isn't there, the ball flies off his knee and goes elsewhere, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wondered if it was one of those where they'd kind of let it stand because his arm wasn't in an unnatural position and it was just one of those sort of circumstances where the ball hits, mm. flicks up off your leg and hits your arm. I don't know. I honestly don't know what the official explanation was. I was really surprised it was allowed to stand because they had VAR as well, as far as I know, don't they? And they, and they, uh, they actually checked it, but there you go. Yeah, this is what I mean. I, I, I'm... It would seem that common sense is the one thing missing. From refs, yeah. the VARs, everything. Just clearly if his hand isn't there, then the ball isn't gonna isn't gonna ricochet and end up where it did and he's not gonna provide the assist. But Yeah. I do like Duncan Watmore though, can I just hmm. say? I, I can tell you three interesting things about Duncan Watmore. One is that he, he used to play for Altrincham, which is my local team back in Manchester. Trust me, they get more interesting than that though. Yeah. Uh, he also has a degree in economics, which he finished while he was playing for Sunderland. And the most interesting of all is a few years ago, he saved three pensioners from drowning in Barbados when they were in a speedboat accident. What? Yes. That, I mean, that's that's pretty much all, all the story. But yeah. Yeah, they, were in a, they crashed a speedboat and uh, he, uh, he jumped in the water and saved three, three oh, pensioners from yeah. drowning. 
it wasn't a handball. Give the man the goal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he should be allowed to do whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. No, just give him the FA Cup. Done. <laughs> yeah. We're done. We're sorted. Um, but I, I, I think the uh, the main point of this, from a Manchester United point of view, is that they should really have been winning the game far before that goal and before. Um, sorry far before Elanga blasts the ball over the bar in the penalty shootout. It's a shame when a young player misses it as well. Um, I saw the pictures of Cristiano Ronaldo sort of consoling him, and you can't help but think, mm. if you'd have scored your penalty, Cristiano, in, in <laughs> the actual game, maybe he wouldn't have been in this position. Um, but they've got to take some flack, the whole squad, for, for not really putting this, the game, haven't they? Uh, this game to bed, haven't they? Yeah, it wasn't a good performance from them at all. If, if they've not been performing very well. You know, in, in the whole season, and, and not there's not been a, a, a noticeable in, uh, increase in performance under Ralph Rangnick, really, apart from the, the sort of first couple of games when they they look like uh, they might be taking on some new ideas and, and pressing a little bit better than they were under mm. Solskjaer. I've not really seen an awful lot from United, and there's a bit of disarray behind the scenes, you know, with with. Rangnick saying stuff about certain players and them coming out and contradicting him. It's happened with 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 Marshall and with Lingard now. I, mean, I don't know what the situation is there, but it's never a good sign when players and managers aren't on the same page. There's some talk that Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't been very impressed with Rangnick since he's come in, so it hasn't really had the de- the desired effect that I pointed. I'd be very surprised if Rangnick continued there beyond the summer. Um, there was some talk about him, you know, being given this consultancy role when he took over. It wouldn't surprise me if that. Sort of, if he just went off quietly into the night, and we we never heard his name whispered around the corridors of, of Old Trafford again. And I suspect they are going to be looking for a new manager. It sounds like Maurizio Pochettino is going to be the, the guy that they go for, mm. and I think that will be a pretty good appointment. Um, but I think United's problems run a lot deeper than the manager, and I think you know they can go and spend some money on 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 improving the squad in the summer. You know they might they might buy that holding midfielder that they've been. They've needed for a long time, but I don't know. There's something just not right at United and hasn't been for a long time, really. It's, it's, it just seems to not be, not be sort of going in the right direction at any point, really. I imagine it is a little bit odd to have a manager come in that everybody knows isn't going to be there beyond the end of the season. Like, how much do you yeah. take on board his ideas knowing that you're probably going to change in a few months? Yeah, well, there's that quote from from Rafa Benitez about being an interim manager where he says they're sort of like uh, cutting your legs off at the knees, really. There's no uh, players know that they, they can get a bit of an easy ride out of you. It's like, it's like having a substitute teacher at school or something, <laughs> isn't it? You just, just sort of mess around and you know there's going to be no real consequence for it. Um, everything's going to change again in the summer. And yeah, he's put in a, um, a bit of a difficult spot, really, Rangnick. But, you know, I think... It was probably difficult to expect too much from him in the first place, given that his his managerial record leaves a lot to be desired. You know, he hadn't hadn't coached in the top flight anywhere for over a decade before taking it over Man United. It's a massive job to get them them back on track, and who knows, he might he might well finish in the top four within the season, and and he goes away and he's done a pretty good job. But I would have looked at the FA Cup as a, as a decent uh, opportunity to get a bit of uh, sort of the good times back at Old Trafford, and and they're out of it now, and. Maybe a little bit, a little bit like Bournemouth, they could just focus on on finishing top four now. And if they finish top four coming into the season, it might not be such a big big disaster. But yeah, not not a great night for them in, in what has been a, a pretty pretty dreadful season, all told. Yeah, that's the thing as well. It kind of, I'm not going to completely rule Manchester United out of the Champions League just yet, but it does spell the end of the trophy hunt. Really, I mean, yeah. the titles off. I the forgot, cars. I forgot they were in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got Atletico Madrid and. That's that's winnable for Manchester United. They're away in the first leg as well um, to Atletico, who aren't having the greatest times uh, at the minute. I can't see, even if they get past that, 
really going too far. Um, I'm in the Champions League, so you're right. And to think of players like Ronaldo who have come back for that specific reason to win trophies and another season without winning anything doesn't doesn't spell good news for United. But it's, to- I mean, it's so far removed from the the mood around the club at yeah. the, in the summer. From you know the the players that they brought in, you know, the likes of Sancho as well. That, that game against Leeds, yeah, exactly. That game against Leeds, first game of the season, they won, what, 5-1? And everything was looking wonderful, wasn't it? Then Ronaldo comes back and they beat Newcastle. And I was in Manchester that day and just there was like a real buzz around the city mm. from the United fans. And, and and now it's like the best they could probably hope for is top four. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's gone. They're out of the cup. They're out of both cups. You know, they're probably going to be out of the Champions League fairly soon. It's It's been really disappointing, I think. Oh, we're going to look foolish. Not for me, I've quite enjoyed it. Through, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we'll, have to, we'll have to reassess the situation after the Champions League uh, last yeah. 16, kicking off in a few weeks. Uh, talking of a manager, though, who's going to be in a little bit of trouble, I think, anyway, Brendan Rodgers. Nottingham Forest mm. put four past his Leicester side in the FA Cup. Um, he was speaking recently about a summer overhaul, which is desperately needed because this team has been together three years my question is, does this overhaul include him as well? I think it probably does, to be honest, yeah, because um, I do like Brandon Rogers. I know we take the piss out of him a lot on this podcast, but I do think he's a good manager for, for that kind of level, for that kind of like, you know, if you want your team to play kind of top six um, level, I think he, he's the right man for the job. If you want your team to be t- challenging for titles, I'm not sure about that. And I think he's he's got to the point where he kind of has taken Leicester as far as he can, and he has done a good job there. He's had them challenging for top four, which is beyond the realms of expectation, really. And he's, he won the FA Cup with them last season, of course, but it seems to have gone stale now, and I, and, I, and I feel like maybe a change is in the offing. I suppose the big question about Rodgers is, has he earned a bigger job than Leicester during his time there? Would, would you know... Maybe someone like Tottenham might have been in for him at one point, but obviously yeah. you've got Conte now, so... so I don't think they're going to be in the market for a manager come the summer. There was some talk a few months ago that when Guardiola leaves City, City might be interested in him, but I can't see that happening the way things are at the moment. You know, United, I don't know if they would be interested in in, in appointing him in the summer. I think, like I said, Pochettino seems to be the man that they're going for. So I'm not really sure what Rodgers' next move is after this, really. Maybe he goes abroad or something. Maybe he hangs around and... and Someone like Newcastle comes in for him if they if they were to get rid of Eddie Howe anytime soon, and he, that might be a decent fit for a kind of project club on on the up like that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what, what Rogers' sort of status in the game is at this point. Yeah, I, I think the, there's two ways to look at it. Either he's a victim of his own success because getting very close to qualifying for the Champions League and winning the FA Cup is great, and then when you have a bit of a dip, um, you know, it, it looks bad on Rogers. But you could also say that he's overachieved in doing that Mm. in which case he's still a quality manager and maybe this is representative of this Leicester side of the quality that they've got Um, but I think the Newcastle one does make more sense because look if Eddie Howe manages to keep them up let's say they finish 16th 17th and they stay in the Premier League realistically in the transfer market with the kind of players they're going to be attracting they're going to be acting like a club who you know, probably is pushing the top six. They could be acting like a club who's finished eighth or ninth the year before and says, right, next season we're going to make a real go of it and qualify for the Europa League. And there's no reason why Brendan Rodgers couldn't be at the helm of that team, having, you know, having been in charge of teams who have competed domestically and uh, on the continent as well. 
So I think that would would make sense if he's available. Yeah. I couldn't. I wouldn't see Newcastle trying to buy him out of Leicester. It's about the timing as well, isn't it? I yeah. think if Newcastle were to stay up this season, which I think they will now, I think they kind of owe Eddie Howe a crack at the, a proper season next year and True. they'll keep him around. Now, if it starts going pear-shaped sort of middle of next season, then it might be time to, to give give Howe the elbow and then they're looking for another manager. I mean, if I was Rodgers, what I would probably do is step down at the end of the season at Leicester, have a few months off, and while he's out of the game, his reputation is going <laughs> to enhance. You know, you've seen that with managers before where they're not in the game and suddenly they're the saviour the answer to, to someone's problems aren't they the, the position Rogers in at the moment is, his reputation has, has taken a bit of a hit I think and, and he is sort of got this 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 stench of a bit of a bottle job um mm. over him which is which is a bit unfair but I think if he was if he was to sort of not be managing at a club for two or three months suddenly people are going to start looking at him in a slightly different light he'll come back with a nice tan looking very healthy yeah. and they'll be like you know what this is the guy for us Exactly. Them teeth will look even whiter. He'll be, he'll be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, they were utterly embarrassed though by Nottingham Forest. And I think mm. it's impressive. It's very, very impressive for a team who are sort of challenging for the playoffs in the uh, in the championship. That's two Premier League teams knocked out in a row. Um, Sod's Law dictates they're going to go and lose to Huddersfield now in the next round. That's no spy on <laughs> Huddersfield. Yeah. But they're, they're not Premier League side. Um, how impressed were you with Jed Spence, I know we mentioned him briefly a couple of weeks ago when the transfer window was open, but every time I'm watching them now, I can see why he is linked to to a Premier League move. Yeah, he looks really good, doesn't he? They took his goal really well here, really energetic, athletic player down that down that right flank, and uh, I could see him being a Premier League player next season, whether that's at Spurs has been linked with or, or whether mm. someone else will get involved. I mean, it's kind of weird to think that he's on loan at Forest from Middlesbrough, isn't it, really? You think, why couldn't Middlesbrough find a place for him in the team this year? And he's gone to Forest and, and they were they were really, really poor at the start of the season, weren't they? They looked like they might be going down to League One at one point and, and they sat Chris Hewton, Steve Cooper took over. That looked like a really good appointment at the time and I think he's done a fantastic job so far. Eighth in the table, playing some really decent football. They've knocked two two good teams out of, the, out of the FA Cup in pretty emphatic fashion. And yeah, I think Steve Cooper might be one if, uh, if, if, if Forrest don't get up this season, which probably seems a little bit unlikely, then maybe uh, Premier League clubs are going to be sniffing around him next season because he's, uh, he's, he's done his reputation no harm with his job so far. Yeah, well, I, I think if I was the Middlesbrough right back and all I'm hearing talk about is Jed Spence, I'd be very annoyed. <laughs> Uh, you'd feel like people are talking about you like they've backed the wrong horse. Yeah. It's like, Spence this, Spence that. And he's like, oh, come on, guys. I actually was looking through the Middlesbrough team from the Manchester United game. They've got a right wing back as well, which which could suit Spence, I think. I think I think yeah. he'd fit into, into many different teams. I could see him at Spurs. Maybe that's just me having Spurs tinted glasses on. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why they didn't go for him in, in this window. Well, I think, I think they did. I think it might have been a, a bit too late. With Tottenham, it's a bit too difficult to sort out because um, they're paying Middlesbrough, aren't they? But I think Middlesbrough have to pay a fee to Notts Forest if they're to take him back early. Right. Um, or Nottingham Forest might have to agree to it in the first place. It could be a, it could be a little bit complicated. Uh, I can yeah. see him at Spurs. I can also see him at West Ham. I think he'd do a good job there. And West Ham is where we move to next as the massive underdogs are so close to a historic victory with a top <laughs> performance keeping out the hammers for 90 minutes, but Declan Rice had other ideas in the 90 plus one minute. I believe in the football manager community, this is called being FM'd. 
when you concede <laughs> 90 plus one and then 120 plus one in extra time. Uh, this would have been the first time that a sixth tier side has beaten a top tier side. Uh, but what is it about these games that seem to bring out the worst in top teams full of quality players? I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, uh, the, you, that little ground at Kiddens. Kidderman's was great. Like I really enjoyed it against Reading in, in the last round as well, and to see a Premier League team there was was great. On that sort of bobbly pitch, really small uh, ground with stands really close to the pitch, the fans sort of right on top of you. That's proper FA Cup uh, canon, that isn't it? That's everything you want from an FA Cup match, really. And I, uh, I I was out on Saturday morning, so I turned this game on with about two minutes to go. Kidderman's was still one one nil up at the time, and. I did enjoy Declan Rice's goal, but I was a bit annoyed, really, because it, it did seem like we were we were on the verge of history. And by all accounts, West Ham were really, really poor in the first half. And I think Moyes looked pretty furious at uh, at half time going in, and must have must have given him a bit of a bollocking in the dressing room. And they, they were a bit better in the second half, and and sort of spared their blushes in the end. But it was um, it was very close. I think my um, my big takeaway from this game was that. I mean, the Kidderminster players, you, you could see the, the difference in, in sort of fitness levels between a, a team at their level and a Premier League team. I thought they, they looked pretty knackered towards mm. the end of the game and that was why they ended up conceding the equaliser. And then to make them play an extra half an hour, which was, you know, pretty rubbish for the most part. And then you're looking forward to, oh, at least we're going to get a penalty shootout. And then West Ham clinch it right at the end. was a little bit annoying. And I was kind of thinking, should, should we still be making players play 30 minutes extra time? In this day and age, is it is it not a bit much that could could we maybe think about doing something about the extra time, maybe maybe shortening it to twenty minutes, two ten minute halves? Would that be would that make more sense or bring back golden goal or something? What do you think about that? I, I'm now you've mentioned it. I'm trying to think of the point of extra time. Like clearly, these two can't be separated over an hour and a half's worth of football. So <laughs> I wouldn't we... want to go straight into penalties. I think you do need to have a little bit of extra time. Just but but to... why? Well, why don't you just add 10 minutes on it? When it when the clock hits 90, go, right, well, I'll give you 10 more minutes and see what you can do. Yeah, that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Does yeah. there need to be a break? It's kind of odd to keep probing them. I guess in some sort of sick squid game-like way, we're sort <laughs> of pushing them to be as, as tired as possible so that a mistake happens or that one yeah. team gives up and the other team's fresher. I mean, most most of the time in, in extra time, nothing happens. Yeah, Because it? yeah, yeah. it's really cagey. Now the team, now the team wants to concede. Now the team's willing to commit men forward. Everyone's a bit knackered, and often you will see what happened in this game. It was it, I watched the game in Italy the week in the Supercoppa Italiana, where it was the same. Where it was just a, a waste of everyone's time for thirty minutes, and then we didn't even get a penalty shootout in the end. So you just yeah, after all yeah. that, because you've always got one team that thinks you know what, I'll, we'll stick with penalties here. We're not going to twist yeah. in extra time and go for it. Oh, what a shame for Kidderminster. Unbelievable run, yeah. though. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I saw pictures, actually, and if you saw this on Twitter, of David Moyes and his assistant, Paul Nevin, after the game. They were they went into Russell Penn's office, the Kidderminster manager, and shared a beer together. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, just sort of chilling with Moyes on the little sofa. I was thinking about <laughs> a caption competition of what on earth they would be talking about outside of football. First of all, you said sharing a beer together. I assume they all had a beer each. They weren't yeah. sharing one. one well, you know, beer, times yeah. are tough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They... Four, four straws around the <laughs> same beer. <yeah. laughs> that was it. They had a they had a big jug of of whatever you get these days. A fishbowl. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know about a caption competition, but I did find it funny that the uh, the Kidderminster assistant manager had his own little desk in the corner. <laughs> 
See that, like a really tiny desk. It was like when you go to your nans for Christmas and there's not enough room at the table for the kids, so they make a little kids' table at the side for them. It it was kind of like like a power move, Russell Penn. He's like, right, well, you're the assistant manager, so you can't have a bigger desk as me. You can't have bigger, so we're going to get you a tiny desk just so that everyone knows you're the assistant. I wouldn't be (laughs) surprised if he drank out a little plastic beaker as well while Russell's got a big boy glass. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it, was, it was really, really odd. Um, moving on, though, and from one of the shocks, almost shocks in Kidderminster, to another almost shock at Plymouth. A Plymouth Argyle away at Stamford Bridge. Extra time was what it took. Plymouth took the lead early on. We're going to come back to that goal in a second. Deserved win for Chelsea in the end. You had 41 shots, 20 corners, 72% possession. And Ryan Hardy missed a penalty for Plymouth in the 115th minute. It was the definition of heartbreak, but I can't help but think Chelsea did all of that and they still had to rely on two defenders to score. What does that say about (laughs) their attacking options that they've spent so much money on? Yeah, well, I mean, what a fucking goal by As- Azpilicueta it was, by the way. Yeah, that was true. That that was a strong finish. I don't know who he's been watching in training because clearly none of them... Yeah, I mean, you might you might see a, def- a defender doing something like that, but Aspilicueta doesn't strike me as that type of sort of flashy defender to do that kind of thing. So it's particularly no. surprising. It was like, yeah, it was like when someone does something unlikely with a player on FIFA, and you think that would never happen in real life. <laughs> if someone scored a goal like that with Aspilicueta on FIFA, yeah. I'd be like, that's bullshit, you know. But uh, yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird performance from Chelsea. It's about because uh, Tuchel was wasn't there, was he? He was, he was isolated yeah. at home, and I bet he was. Uh, I bet he was going crazy at home because they weren't playing very well at all. Um, Lukaku, I didn't think he had a very good game from what I saw. And yeah, they, they created a fair amount of chances, but there was nothing really to sort of hang your hat on and say it was it was a decent performance from Chelsea. And I'm kind of wondering where that where they're at with with Tuchel now. Um, obviously, he he took over last season, did a remarkable job to to turn things around. It was just over a year ago when he took over there. Now, wasn't it? And got them really well organised, and obviously went on to finish in the top four and and win the Champions League. Started this season great, going great guns. Looked like they were going to be, you know, one of the favourites for the title at one point, and and they've they've tailed off pretty massively now. And I'm sort of wondering where that leaves Tuchel as a coach because there was a time when he was being talked about as the the sort of it was like Guardiola, Klopp, and Tuchel, and I think yeah. people are just sort of talking about Guardiola and Klopp nowadays, aren't they? It seems to be he's he's sort of left out the conversation a little bit now, and I'm wondering if we've if we've truly got a handle at this point in, in his career on how good a coach he actually is, because I think they should be doing a bit better. I know they've had injury problems this season and they've had they've had uh, COVID, but like you say, they've spent a lot of money and and we're not really seeing a, a great enough return for my for my money on that. Yeah, you'd think so as well, especially if you look at last summer. Chelsea had just won the Champions League, right, against Mm -hmm. Manchester City. And City lose Sergio Aguero. Chelsea add £90 million worth of firepower in Romelu Lukaku. Yet City are the ones blowing the league away and Chelsea are almost out the title race halfway through the (laughs) season. It's like the opposite of what happened (laughs) in the transfer window. I'm not quite quite sure how how Roman Abramovich views this. I guess that they've still got the the, the Carabao Cup final to come. They're still in everything technically. Yeah, because I mean, I must I must admit when when they hired Tuchel, I was a bit skeptical about it because I don't think he did a particularly brilliant job at PSG. I don't think he'd done a particularly brilliant job at Dortmund before that, and you know he won the cup there. But mm. I don't think he I don't think he, he was amazing, and I and I felt like 
maybe hiring him wasn't going to deliver the success that they hoped it would. And maybe he was a bit of a sort of B-list manager at the time. And obviously within the Champions League, like I said, propelled him onto that A-list and he and he was he was named manager of the year last year and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm wondering if, if he's now sort of creeping back towards the B-list. Is this this is your official B list? Along this is my the, official B list. Along yeah, with yeah. the Brendan Rogers fraudometer, we've now got Dan Burke's <laughs> A and B list. <laughs> so watch out potential managers. You don't want to be caught yeah. on the B list. Uh, one thing that stood out for me though, I found this this really is, was the magic of the cup, was the magnitude and difference of their next opponents. Plymouth travel. Uh, all the way to Crewe on Tuesday night for a League One clash <laughs> as they chase a spot in the playoffs, where Chelsea fly to Abu Dhabi for Wednesday night's Club World Cup semi-final, a competition which they're in because they won the Champions League last season. Yet here we are after after Tuchel's side and ran close by Plymouth. The magic is yeah. still there in the FA Cup. <laughs> Poppycock to whoever says it's not. Uh, we'll move up to Goodison Park now and those uh, awaiting Boreham Wood in the next round as Frank Lampard oversaw the best win for any Everton manager in his first game with a 4-1 win versus Brentford. They look pretty good, although I thought Brentford are rather unspectacular. Again, one of these teams who's probably glad that they could focus on their league form right now. Mm. Um, Lampard spoke glowingly about Anthony Gordon, who had a very, very good game. How much of a worry do you have for his game time with the likes of Delhi and Van der Beek joining the club? Um, or do you think Lampard can fit them all into his system? I think it's going to be a challenge for him, but um, it's always nice to have, have plenty of options, isn't it? They played like a 3-4-3 formation here with Gordon playing out on the right. And yeah, I think he, he did have a really good game. I saw him really closing people down and making tackles and really getting people off the seats at Goodison Park, which is exactly what they've needed. And I think... Uh, you know, Lampard would do very well to, to learn some lessons from the mistakes that Benitez made and, and perhaps lean a little bit more on some of these academy players and, and get this uh, this tradition of, of local players coming through Everton back on track because I think, uh, you know, the fans are never going to have a, have a problem with that. I guess the question is, where do you think Deli Alley fits into the, to that system? You know, you could you could perhaps see Van der Beek playing in the middle, perhaps instead of Andre Gomez alongside alongside Allen in the middle. But do you play, do you play Alley off the right instead or do you play him... As a kind of number 10? Or no, what? I would definitely see Deli Ali as the number 10. But I think this is where Van der Beek faces a problem because you've got the more defensive-minded sort of Allen um, as well as Decore. Uh, it was more of a box-to-box. And Andre Gomez, I thought, controlled the ball really, really well in the middle of the park of the weekend. Then you've got Fit Van der Beek in. Then you've got Deli Ali in the number 10. You've got Richarlison. Looks like his future's sort of out wide rather than up front. Um, certainly if Dominic Cavalier-Lewin gets back to full fitness and back scoring the goals. You've then got Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. Gray's been a great summer signing. And then, of course, Gordon as well. It's it's good from a Lampard perspective to have these players in the squad. Yeah, But I, I'm starting to wonder, were Van der Beek and Ali... Were they sort of, right, this is a new start, we're going to bring in new players to show it's a new era? And if they could redo the transfer <laughs> yeah. window again, would they say, oh, you know what, maybe these two aren't necessary? Yeah, who knows if it's going to be pretty um, unfortunate for Van der Beek if he leaves mm. one club where he wasn't playing yeah. and finds himself not playing at another club, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I, sure I, he's gone there and been given some assurances that he's going to play. Well, that, well, that's what you would think. I mean, you can't bring in two players like that and then not play them. That, that goes against everything they've probably been told when they signed for the club. 
So I think yeah. I, I, I would slightly, always slightly worry for the young academy player like Gordon who's done so well because it's a little bit easier to rely on his 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 love for the club to sort of accept yeah. the decision and also to play, you know, the the inexperienced card or, you know, not for this game, but, you know, we've got big superstars who are used to being in this position. So yeah. I, I, I think he's a fantastic player. So I'd love to love to see him given the, too, yeah. the chances for the rest of the season. Um, next up, and I'm sorry to do this to you, Dan, <laughs> but as far as storylines go, Man City, Fulham and Liverpool, Cardiff were very boring. <laughs> they were very boring cup ties. I'm throwing Crystal Palace in there as well. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm excited by Palace at the minute. Olise is a brilliant player and definitely one to look out for. They were just sort of bog standard cup ties. The strong teams were at home. Um, apart from two minutes of worry for Man City when the seemingly Liverpool-bound <laughs> Fabio Carvalho scored for Fulham. Liverpool controlled Cardiff. A big shout out to Harvey Elliott who came back from that horrible leg break and fired in the third. They were quite bog-standard ties. Um, on that, though, on the names Carvalho and Elliot, do you think this is something that Liverpool can point to when tempting youngsters like Carvalho to join the club? They, they look at the pathway of Elliot and he, even Raheem Sterling before that as well. They brought him in uh, from QPR, I believe, as a 15-year-old mm. to sort of say, look, join the club, but there's a way into the first team. This is how you fit in. Is this really almost good footballing PR from Liverpool? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think Liverpool have always been good at bringing bringing young players through, particularly so under Klopp, and and uh, you know they've got a, a young lad uh, playing golf for them yesterday, Kelleher, who I think was lucky to stay on the pitch. To be honest, I think he probably could have been sent off on so the day, well. but yeah, but uh, got away with one there. But yeah, you, you know they've got Trent Alexander Arnold playing right back for them every week, and he's a academy player, local boy, and Curtis Jones and. Um, you know, plenty of other examples in, in a squad. Tyler Morton, uh, Cade Gordon's in there at the moment, isn't he? And yeah, I, th- I think Harvey Elliott's an outstanding prospect. Um, he has done really, really well to come back from that injury. That was this season. It feels like it was it was a long time ago that. And you, and you think an injury like that would, would keep someone out that. for probably the whole season. And, you know, his his foot was pretty much hanging off when he when he did it against Leeds, wasn't it? So to come back and, and be playing again and score goals in the same season it is remarkable really and I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him with Carvalho he looks like a real talent as well he took his goal really well in this game against City although uh, he did miss a really good chance in the second half actually to score again um, but he is, a, he is a young lad of course I guess with him the question is always do you leave Fulham where you're one of the first names on the team sheet to go and play for Liverpool and play probably a quarter of the number of the games that you're likely to play? I mean, who knows whether a situation would change at Fulham if they get promoted next season, if they mm. then look to bring in some more experienced players and then he finds himself on the fringes a little bit, I don't know. But I think with someone like him at his age, maybe get the get the uh, transfer to Liverpool done, get signed and then maybe ask if you can go out on loan for a season and somewhere in the Premier League, maybe loan him back to Fulham for a season because... You know he's he's got plenty of time on his side, hasn't he? You don't need to be rushing these things, and mm. to have him um, playing in Liverpool's team is going to probably be the case eventually. Um, it's just been be a little bit patient with that. Having said that, I do know that with, with City, with their policy of, of kind of bringing young players through, is that Guardiola is very reluctant to let let young players go out on loan because he would rather keep them close to the first team and train with the first team and, and get a good good eye on them and, and be able to steer them in the right direction himself and send them out alone and have them playing for a different manager, tell them different things. I don't know if maybe that's something that uh, that, that Liverpool are thinking of with, with this signing. 
Um, interestingly, City had a couple of youngsters come off the bench against uh, against Fulham. Um, James McAtee, who signed a new contract last season, he looks very good. They call him the, the Salford Silver. That's not my nickname. That's just the the, the word on the street. And Joel, and you and Joel have always got nicknames for every player. <laughs> yeah. If it were last yeah, week, make, we had the Bolton Berezi for Nat Phillips. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't make this one up after... Yeah. Say. And uh, and the other one was Liam Delap. He came off the bench for Rory, Rory Delap's son and uh, scored a goal, but it was disallowed for offside, unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, there's there's uh, bright futures for for young players at Liverpool and City. It just depends how much uh, game time they can they can give them. Yeah, I think the one person to point out who, funnily enough, could could uh, Carvalho could speak to at Fulham is Harry Wilson. Mm. Always looked like from his loans, he had some real real talent and just never worked out for whatever reason at Liverpool. Um, but yeah. certainly, yeah, you, you'd think that it looks like Carvalho will make that move, especially he's on a free. And then well, I guess I guess we'll see where he ends up. I don't think a low move will be the worst idea. Um, mm. it, certainly if, if he's promised that it, on, upon his return, he'll be one step closer to the Liverpool team because you don't want to end up yeah. like they, they do at Chelsea. You end up with nine loans in seven years or I something know, yeah. like that. <laughs> that's that's not it uh, right we'll move on though to the fifth round draw Dan I'm going to ask your predictions here I don't think you have to go too specific with the scoreline mm-hmm. but certainly who you think is going to make it through um, from the next round so the fifth round okay. of the FA Cup is as follows Luton Town will be playing against Chelsea I find it funny that after that 1-0 victory at Newcastle for Cambridge they then went and lost to Luton that they were swept <laughs> aside like yeah. they'd never just beaten a Premier League team in the previous round uh, d- disappointing for for Cambridge. Yeah. You'd probably think Chelsea are, are going to be winners in this one. I would imagine so. Yeah, pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, Crystal Palace imagine will be facing. Of, off. Yeah, Nathan Jones has done a pretty good job at Luton. Yeah, but, uh, that would be potentially the shock of the round. We, we won't <laughs> we won't uh, we won't forget about Bournemouth just yet. Uh, Crystal yeah. Palace against Stoke at home. There was actually uh, an amazing story that came out of the game at the weekend as Hartlepool travelled down to Crystal Palace. The Hartlepool manager um, received an amazing donation from Crystal Palace fans for his wife Gemma, who's suffering from terminal brain cancer. They donated £1,000 to her GoFundMe page and subsidised the travel of all the 5,000 Hartlepool supporters. Now that is what the FA Cup of Football in general is also all about. Um, absolutely amazing Definitely. stuff for them. Uh, on the pitch, it was rather sort of simple one for Palace, who faced Stoke. Um, amazingly for Stoke, did you ever watch Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix? Yes, I did. And yeah. Josh Madger was at, was at Sunderland and he left for Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, and yeah. now he's at Stoke. Back at Stoke, yeah. yeah. He was at Fulham last season, wasn't he, for a bit? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you remember he, he started with a bang with a couple of goals away at Everton? Yep, um, and that was it. Then, that was it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he scored for Stoke, who go to Crystal Palace. Uh, what are you thinking there? I reckon Crystal Palace for that one, personally. Yeah. The uh, the next one, <laughs> I saw a, a, an excellent tweet uh, as Peterborough host your Manchester City. Um, oh, yeah. The question, I think it was Paddy Power, who tweeted, the question on everyone's lips is, uh, this is before the draw, by the way, um, yeah. Before the fifth round draw is, will Man City get Peterborough home or away? <laughs> Do you believe in this conspiracy theory that Manchester City are somehow rigging the draws to get easier, easier ties? Well, we've rigged everything else apparently, haven't we? So why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, when this comes around, I'm fully against it. I do not think there is any rigging or match fixing in English football. I, 
I can't see how it would happen. I think there's a lot on the line for these big clubs. But it does strike me as odd that City consistently get the easier sides of the draw. I, I mean, don't know. Maybe we've only odds. we've only won the FA Cup once under under Pep, and we've only won it once in decades before that. Mm. So if we are rigging the draws, we're not doing a very good job of it. <laughs> I mean, we got beat by Chelsea last season, so I don't think that draw was rigged, was it? You know, we've we've, we've beaten some pretty good teams on on route to beating the uh, to winning the uh, League Cup. So. Uh, yeah. I think it's a load of nonsense, personally, I'm afraid. But yeah, something about hot balls or something warming up the balls. Hot balls. Yeah, yeah. So when you touch <laughs> them, you know which team you're trying. I don't know. This, 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 this was long into the night when I was on on Twitter seeing all of this. Uh, you'd probably yeah. go for a Manchester people City victory. People are just bitter, mate. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah. a, a City win, though. Yeah, I, I fancy, I fancy a City win at Peterborough. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Liverpool you never, against you never know. Norwich, who just. It, it really this one this one just screams exactly what I've just called out City Fulham and Liverpool Cardiff for being boring. This is the same one. I know Norwich went to Wolves and they won one nil, but yeah, I'm just going to see much the same. I would imagine Liverpool will probably be pretty comfortable there, but yeah, you never know, do you? Um, yeah, Liverpool are having a decent crack at the domestic cups this year, aren't they? They're in the final of the the Carabao and uh, looking. Like they might have a, a nice passage to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. That's something they've not really done a lot of on the Klopp. They've, uh, I think it was, wasn't it this year the first time in a couple of years that they even got past the the, the fourth round? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, it's been so weird it's, for such a dominant team. Yeah, for such a good side. I think Klopp often plays sort of weakened teams in the Cups, doesn't he? And ends up ends up regretting it. But this year, maybe he's got a little bit stronger and, and uh, they've, they might end up with a... With, who knows, the Champions League, the Premier League is still open for them, but they might end up with uh, a couple of other domestic cups as well. That's not so bad. Um, Southampton against West Ham is the next match. It, honestly, if West Ham pull any crap like they did at Kidderminster, I think this would be quite easy for Hull's <laughs> side. Yeah, it could be, yeah. yeah. They've, uh, or maybe it's one of them where they've sort of got away with a, a scare and it will, it will focus them a little bit more, West Ham, and they'll go on to uh, the latter stages of the competition. Who knows, they might even win it. Yeah. What do you think? I'm, I think penalties of this one, and I can't decide which yeah, way. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go West Ham on penalties. I'll go Southampton penalties for the sake <laughs> for the sake of friendly competition. Uh, next up, yeah. and, and I hate to say it, but this for me has upset of the round written all over it, and it's Middlesbrough against Tottenham. Spurs made it through against Brighton. Harry Kane back in the goals. The first one was lovely. Middlesbrough, of course, <laughs> coming through Old Trafford on penalties. This one worries me. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris Wilder doing a pretty good job at Middlesbrough, mm. isn't he? Since taking over there, uh, I, I'm going to say Spurs. To be honest with you, but uh, I can see why you might be a little bit concerned. The concern for me comes from when I did a think about a 12 hour round trip to watch Middlesbrough Spurs. It must have been about 15 years ago, longer. <laughs> I must have been 10 years old, and George Boateng scored a deflected goal, and they won one nil. And that was it. That was. <laughs> I think that. you were telling me about that the other night. I, I think. I think I was. Yeah. That was that was my memory of, of Spurs at Middlesbrough, and I think it haunts me to this day. So much so that I think we're in for a cup upset. Um, talking of cup upsets, Nottingham Forest, as we mentioned earlier, their draw is against Huddersfield. I mm. said that now after beating two Premier League teams, it would be you know typical for, for Nottingham Forest to lose to Huddersfield, but Huddersfield are above them in the Championship. So if Forest go in with this underdog mentality, I think they could win it again and find themselves in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I would 
Uh, I would say that's that seems pretty likely as well, yeah. I'll go along with that. Uh, and finally, we have Everton against the aforementioned Boreham Wood of the National League. We all want to see it. Sorry, Everton fans, nothing against you. We all want to see an absolute shock. Um, the question is, is it going to happen, Dan? <sighs> no, I don't think so, I'm afraid. You're a cynic. You're I'm a cynic, cynic and a pessimist. Them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would stick my neck out um, and go for a Boreham Wood win. I also can't. I'd, lo- I'd love it to happen. I'd love it to happen, but yeah, <laughs> that, I'm, I'm pretty sure we live in a real world. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that concludes the fifth round draw that was made. Uh, next on our list today, the important discussion, the all important discussion of the African Cup of Nations final. I watched it all. It was absolutely dreadful. After what has been a very, very exciting month of football, the final really, you know, 120 minutes. Of, of goalless action. Sadio Mane missing a penalty in the fourth minute was as exciting as it got. <laughs> Apart from your chance here and there between Senegal and Egypt, but he was the hero at the end of the day. Scoring the fifth penalty in a shootout, which didn't see Mo Salah shoot a penalty. Um, <laughs> should your best player slash best penalty taker go fifth in a shootout, Dan? I mean, I've always thought with penalties that you, your, your best player should go first, your second best player should go second, your third best player should go first, and so on and so forth. Like, thirst, third, I mean, not thirst. I've got a bit of thirst myself, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't understand it when they do that, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's some sort of like, oh, I'll go fifth so I can be the hero if it comes down to that. But if it doesn't come down to that, there's a good chance that what happens to Salah that you don't end up even taking one. So... Yeah, I, I, I think it's quite strange what happens. Well, this this is what everyone was claiming, that sort of ego and wanting to be the winning penalty taker um, it got the better of, of Salah. I will point out that Mane was also fifth taker for Senegal. So they both yeah. had the exact same reason for being fifth. Uh, I, I know that for England, Harry Kane tends to go first. And you're getting, like you said, you're getting yourself off on the strong foot for penalty mm. shootouts. I think it's the, aim of the game is to score as many penalties as possible, isn't it? So it doesn't yeah. matter in what order you kind of score them. Like, surely you want to you want to score your first three penalties, and then uh, I don't know what the the statistics are on if you score mm. your first three penalties. But I'd say more often than not, you probably go through, don't you? Well, you'd think so, yeah. But I also wonder how many teams have five really good penalty takers. Mm. Realistically, because once you're getting to the fifth one, I think if you were to go down your route. And you had, I don't want to call out defenders here because some are brilliant penalty takers, but you know, some of, <laughs> some of the, the, the less sort of goal-minded, let's say, players, uh, you get a defender in there or a defensive midfielder, something like that. They might not be as adept at scoring, handling the pressure. Like to have a good player take the final penalty does sort of make sense as well. But I think you're right. Yeah. You, you, you're always look stupid, basically. When, you know, Egypt, the last two penalty shootouts, the semi-final as well, um, both saw Salah not take a penalty. Mm. <laughs> I enjoyed the, the the penalty that was missed during the game was Salah was telling the goalkeeper where Mane was likely to shoot it. And mm. Mane went up and was like, yeah, I'm going to put it there. I'm going to put it there. And then he, he missed it anyway. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> I I little... it. <laughs> yeah, another interesting little story from the weekend that I just remembered regarding penalties was the, the, the shootout at Old Trafford on Friday night. Sol Bamba 
uh, took and scored uh, a penalty. Obviously, he's had some some real health issues, hasn't he, Sol Bamba? Mm. So great to see him back and scoring penalties at Old Trafford. And his heat map for the game, I think he came on for the shootout or, or in extra time at least. Um, it was just him kicking the ball from the penalty spot. That was all he did in the, in the entire game. Great. That's it. That's and all it was a great. It was a great penalty <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. Fair oh, what, what a way to make your mark. Um, yeah. But yeah, as, as we mentioned, Sadio Mane smashing in the winning penalty, sort of banishing banishing the demons from earlier on in the game. Mm. I, I was looking on Twitter after the game, as you do, trying to trying to gauge the reaction of Liverpool fans. It seemed as though Liverpool fans wanted Salah to take home the trophy more than Mane. Mm. This is what I was kind of suggesting, that no matter which one's <laughs> playing better, it looks as though Salah's the golden boy. Well, there's a bit of a question mark over Mane's future at the moment, I think, isn't there? Because of uh, the signing of, of Diaz, Luis Diaz. Mm. He looks like the sort of natural replacement for, for Mane. And Mane's been there a few years. There's always been a bit of talk about whether he would go on to play for Real Madrid afterwards or somewhere like that. And uh, I, I don't know, it feels like maybe he's coming to the end of his time at Liverpool and it's been very successful and he's done really well. And maybe it's time to just say... We had a great, we had a great time. Let's let's go our separate ways. But I think Liverpool fans would be probably much more distraught if Salah were to leave than if Mane were to leave at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think as well with the the new the talks of the new contract for Mo Salah, whether it's three hundred and fifty mm. or four hundred thousand pounds per week, I I honestly think Mane has got every right to go in if that contract is signed and say, right, where's mine? I'll have the same, please. Yeah. I, I think he does, considering obviously. The stats say suggest less goals, but still a phenomenal amount of goals from Mane from a wing position for Liverpool. Mm. Been equally as important to this team. And there's no way that if Liverpool were taking this long to say yes or no to Salah's demands, that they're just going to stop handing out 400k a week contracts willy-nilly. I'll say <laughs> Chamberlain will be asking for one next. You know what I mean? It, it, <laughs> Give him just, one. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. It would just get out of hand. But I, I, was, <laughs> I was sort of putting the question to myself that if... And this this is a, this is a big if, and you've heard it here first. If it comes true, we get to the World Cup final, and it's England against South Korea, and it's either Harry Kane or Kyung Min Sun <laughs> to take home the trophy. And if you know, if I wasn't English and didn't have a sort of a vested interest in either country, who would I pick for Tottenham? Because Harry Kane is the golden boy, but arguably there's more. Uh, I guess there's. Don't more you all hate Harry Kane now, though? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no you chance. You should. <laughs> no chance. He's back. He's back. Um, it would be a difficult call. Yeah. Is, is, is the one I... I wouldn't want to be in a Liverpool fan position. But having said that, I think both of them are very professional. I think they're fantastic players and I can't see this being an issue. I can't see it being a Rooney-Ronaldo back at United. Do you remember after I the World it, Cup yeah. 2006? No, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. think money and Salah are... <laughs> And more professional than that. I also think Klopp wouldn't stand for any of that crap either. Yeah. Uh, moving on, though, to the quick... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, they're, they're going to be back now, aren't they? The, the, the Liverpool's sort of big worry this year was about how they would cope without those two at the AFCON. And mm. they've coped pretty well, really. I mean, the the problems in terms of the title race were um, were there before the AFCON even came along. So having those two back and firing, I don't know, who knows? It might propel them to make a, make a, a title race of, of it again. What's quite funny is that this is the worst case scenario for Liverpool because both of them made it all the way through the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're out there as long as possible and one's coming back absolutely dejected. It, it probably yeah. couldn't have gone worse. 
Um, <laughs> we'll move on though to the question of the week. Uh, this is less of a question than more of a question and answer. Uh, sorry, more of a game than a question and answer. It's because mm. everyone, including myself, is doing it these days. And I've decided to do a Wordle. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with Wordle, Dan. Are you? I am very familiar. Okay, so you're familiar with the rules. So we've got a five-word footballer. Five-word, mm. five-letter footballer. And you have to guess, and I'm basically going to see how long it takes you to get it right. All right. I've got a pen and paper here then. Uh, so well, I'll, I'll, I'll go Salah as my first guess in that case. Ooh, Salah. Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> oh, no, no, I lie, I lie. The H is correct, but in the wrong position. Right, okay. I'm glad that you're uh, prepared for this, by the way. The, it's, a, it's an active player, right, I'm assuming? Uh, um, no, it's not an active player anymore, but uh, has, okay, so he's within retired, the last retired, 10 years. Retired. Hmm. Um, it's a bit more niche than that. I don't want to make it too easy. Oh, God. The pressure's on now as well. We yeah, because, had... when I play, because when I play Wordle, I'm not being recorded while doing it, am I? So I usually have plenty of time to think and stuff. I should have recorded you so, play Wordle so you get used to the pressure. So it's got, so it's got an H in it. It that's, does that's have all, an H that's in all it. I can know. Okay. But, uh, but none of the others. You've got to cross them all off. Play at home as well if you're listening. <laughs> if you, you can play along with Dan's guesses. Not really. Um, okay. Uh, Henri. Ooh, no. no. The H is still in the wrong place. Fucking hell. And no other letters. No <laughs> and other no other letters, no. Jesus. Um, you might have to give me a clue. I hate to do this to you, but we'll be here all fucking day. <laughs> come to think of it, I may have made it. I'm not sure if it's that niche, but I think the... Okay, uh, what should I do for a clue? Should I give you a, a letter clue or a player? Or, or a, a Go fact on, give me another, give me another. Give me, give me another letter. Okay, with. there's an M in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really testing your footballing knowledge. You're really testing my knowledge of the alphabet as well, to be <laughs> more importantly. All right, give me a clue about the player then. Okay, so this player, um, this player inspired is the hero of one of the greatest strikers around at the minute. Oh, is it Meet You? Oh, how have you got that? Because <laughs> we were talking about it last week, weren't we? About um, Harland. Ad- Adnan Yanazai being your man. Oh, uh, no. Kulusevsky's. Kulusevsky's. His- oh, you got <laughs> That was more like a 21 questions rather than a wordle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Well, you got it in the end. You went from Salah to Henri to Meet You. I mean, he is. I don't know who's more delighted to be mentioned in that breath of the three there. <laughs> Unbelievably um, good. Yeah, I think I. I mean, yeah, I know that's not in the spirit of the game of Wordle, but we would have been here all day, and people have got lives. So you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the Wordle page looking for this clue button, but uh, it's obviously not there, Dad. <laughs> Should be there. Yeah, <laughs> you've heard the man. Uh, yeah, that right in the world. That is everything from today's Wordle slash FA Cup podcast. We will be back next week as the Premier League returns after the winter break. Um, You can tweet us in the meantime. You can tweet me at Matt underscore Froelich or at OneFootball with any questions, suggestions or feedback you may have. You can also email us. The address is podcast at OneFootball.com. That's all we have time for this week. Thank you to my guest, just you, Dan. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed listening out there and we'll be back again next week. So see you then.